Welcome to Torah Today Ministries, our continuing series, Parsha Seasonings, where we look at some of the details of the Hebrew for the weekly Torah portion and um, things that are not translated normally into our English translations. In this episode, we find ourselves in Torah portion Mishpatim, which is found in Exodus chapters 21 to 24. Now, Mishpatim is a series of uh, laws and commandments that deal primarily with one person's relationship with another or a person's relationship with the community. Now, these are uh, amazing and, and brilliant insights into how to have a healthy operating community, especially if you want a godly community. And the very first of the mishpot, of the judgments, laws that we encounter in this portion, concerns what is called the Evid Ivri, a Hebrew servant. Evid means servant, sometimes translated slave, but I don't like using that word because we conjure up um, the horrible American slavery experience. And uh, slavery, that, as it's mentioned in the Torah, is something quite different from that. But Evid means servant, Ivri means Hebrew. And this portion about the Hebrew servant is quite interesting and has a number of messianic overtones. So let's read the passage. It begins in chapter 21, verse 2. If you buy a Hebrew servant, and the reason you might buy a Hebrew servant is because he has uh, gotten himself into some serious debt, and this is a way of him working off that debt. Or it could be that there were some other things that occurred in his life, some unfortunate circumstances, which uh, forced him into a place where he had to sell himself for a period of time to serve someone else until he could get out of these difficult circumstances. So if you buy an Evadivri, a Hebrew servant, he shall serve for six years. But on the seventh, he shall go out as a free man without payment. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. Now, here's where things get interesting. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master, not to the servant, but to her master. And he shall go out alone. Now, let me just interpose something here for a moment. This sounds cruel. So you have the servant, you know he's going to be working for you for six years. He wants a wife and you provide someone to him to be a wife and they love each other and they have children together. But when his six years are up, if he decides to leave, his wife and children don't get to go with him. And again, this sounds cruel, but think about it for a moment. If any servant would take for himself a wife and have children through her and decide to leave, he's not worthy of that wife and children. Any man who would take a wife and have children with the foreknowledge, when I leave, I'm out of here. He doesn't deserve her. She's better off with the master who provided her to the servant. But any self-respecting man, any man with, with some character is going to say, I love my wife. I love my kids. I'm not going to leave them. I want to stay here with them. And so this is the next condition. But if the slave, the servant, <clears throat> excuse me, plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, 
I will not go out as a free man. Then his master shall bring him to God. Then he shall bring him to the door or the mezuzah, the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him permanently. Now you'll notice that all is in red, and uh, we're going to come to that word a little bit later on. So just keep it in the back of your mind for now. But for right now, let's look at this term, Eved Ivri. Eved means servant. Ivri means Hebrew. So Hebrew servant, we, we switch the words in, in English. But in Hebrew, the Eved servant comes first. Hebrew comes second. Eved Ivri. Now, as I mentioned, this portion is seen as having a number of messianic overtones. And David refers to this passage and quotes it. And then later, the book of Hebrews quotes this passage, as we'll see in a moment. And each one of them is bringing out a messianic insights. Now, what's interesting about this passage is this. If you count up the number of words in this passage, you'll count exactly 76 words in Hebrew and exactly 282 letters in Hebrew. 76 happens to be the numerical value of Eved. 282 is the numerical value of Ivri. No coincidences here. And if you add together these two numbers, 76 and 282, it equals 358, which is the numerical value of Mashiach, Messiah. Again, Eved equals 76. There are 76 words in this passage. Ivri equals 282. There are 282 letters in this passage. You add the two numbers together, they total 358, which is the numerical value of Mashiach, Messiah. Now think about it for a moment. Messiah came into this world as a servant. He took a wife. He took a bride. The purpose of his coming is to call a bride to himself. And he loves his master. He loves the father. He loves his bride. He loves the fruit of their relationship. He wants to remain forever in the service of his father and connected to his bride. And so instead of his ear just being pierced, his body was pierced. It was nailed to the wood as a sign that I am committed to my master, to my wife, and to the offspring, the fruit of our relationship. What a, an amazing picture of Messiah. And at the same time, it's an invitation to us. Because after all, Yeshua said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, let go of your own freedoms, take up your cross daily and follow me. So he invites us also to give our ear to him. And Shema, to hear, means to obey. And if we truly love him, we will obey him. We'll keep his commandments. Now, David quotes this passage in Psalm 40, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what he says. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have pierced my ear, or dug my ear is how some translations put it. You've pierced my ear. In other words, David's saying, God, I love you so much. I want to give myself to you. I want to serve you with my entire life. You've pierced my ear. Burn offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, 
I have come, and the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your Torah is, is within my heart. I love serving you. I love obeying your commandments. Now, the writer of Hebrews takes this passage and quotes it, but he makes a bit of a change. Now, this is a, a Jewish teaching technique. He misquotes the passage not because he's making an error or because he's trying to deceive anyone, but he's taking this passage that would have been so well known to his readers, and he changes a word here and there to bring out an insight. And all of them would know the original passage here in Psalms 40, but they would also then see the change he's making because he's bringing out some deep teaching. Now, here's the passage. Hebrews 10, verses 5 through 7. Consequently, when Mashiach, Messiah, came into the world, he said, and here's the quote, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You recognize the passage. It's the same passage in Psalm 40. But what does it have in place of David's words? David said, my ear you have pierced, referring back to Exodus 20, uh, 21. But here the writer says, a body prepared for me. In other words, my body has been pierced as a sign that I love my master, I love my bride, I love the children, I love the fruit of this relationship. It's a, quite a deep thing going on. So even David in Psalm 40 is prophesying something about the Mashiach. He does this a number of times in the Psalms. No wonder Yeshua is called the son of David because not only is he physically uh, uh, descended from King David, but they were of the same spirit. And uh, so many times when David writes about himself, it's as if Messiah is speaking of himself as well. Well, let's move on a bit. And uh, next, I want to address that word all. We, I had that marked in red, and there's something interesting about this word for all. It's, in Hebrew, it's the word martzea. There you can see it. It's not used too often in, in the Bible, martzea. But if you take the numerical value of the letters, 40 plus 200 plus 90 plus 70, it adds up to 400. 400 is the numerical value of the last letter of the alphabet, which is Tav. And many times in the teachings, we've seen that the word Tav means cross. So that all that went through the ear is a picture of the fact, again, that Messiah would be pierced and he would be nailed to the wood. He'd be nailed to the cross. Amazing, amazing things. You know, no man could write this book. Only God could construct a book such as this with so many uh, amazing foreshadowings. Things like this is what, uh, or what David, I believe, is referring to and what I pray as well, what he has said, Gal eni, unveil my eyes that I may behold wonders from your Torah. The Torah is filled with wonders and we're just discovering a handful of them. There's so many there. Let's move on a bit further. As you go through the passage of Mishpatim in chapter 21, verses 23 to 25, 
a well-known passage. It says, but if, if there is harm, if someone does something that causes harm to a neighbor, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, we find this, this passage three times in the Torah. And by the time of Yeshua, this passage has taken on the tone of, if somebody knocks my tooth out, I get to knock their tooth out. If they put my eye out, I put their eye out. That was never the intent as you find it in the Torah. In the Torah, this passage always has to do not with my taking vengeance on what somebody has done for me, but me taking responsibility for something I have done to them. And if you look at the context, it says this, if I knock out your tooth for whatever reasons, I need to make that right, tooth for tooth. If I accidentally blind you or burn you or bruise you, I need to make that right. I owe you. Now, if I accidentally knock out your tooth, knocking my tooth out doesn't help you at all. And the rabbis from day one have always seen this as being a monetary compensation for any damages you do to someone else for taking liability for harm that we cause, accidentally or on purpose. And that's the whole purpose and the weight of this passage. So I just want to make sure we get that clear, that this is not a, uh, a license to take vengeance, but it is a, it's taking on the burden of responsibility and liability for damages I cause to others. Now, with that said, let's get back to what I really want to point you to. This word for really in Hebrew means instead of, and it's found eight times in the passage. And that word in Hebrew is the word tachat. Now we just looked at how the letter tav means cross. And that's not a messianic interpretation. That is something that comes from the Orthodox Jewish uh, books and explanations of the Hebrew letters. It's, it's, they're the ones who came up with this. It wasn't something that came, out, uh, came up from Messianic believers. So every time you see the word for here, it means instead of, and it's tachat, life, tachat, life, tooth, tachat, tooth. Now look at the word, tav, ket, tav. So you have a cross on the right, and you have a cross on the left. And what's in the middle? In the middle you have the letter chet, which looks like a cross. But chet is the eighth letter of the alphabet. Eight is the number of resurrection, new life, new beginnings. And it's the letter that represents life, chai, lechayim, to life. Do you see what I'm referring to? When Yeshua was crucified, he was not crucified alone. There were three crosses there. One on the right of him, one on the left. On the right and the left were two thieves, one repentant, one unrepentant. But in the middle was the source of life, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so every time you see this instead of, we have a picture of Calvary. So Yeshua, though he did not owe us anything, 
because he had done us no damage. He nevertheless gave his life for our life. He gave his hands for his, our hands, his feet for our feet. He was wounded for our wounds. He got stripes instead of us. And that's the same word that's used in Isaiah when it says that by his stripes we're healed. And if you count up, you'll notice that this word takat is found eight times in the passage. Again, eight is the numerical value of that middle letter. It's the number of life. So everything we see about this passage is a picture of how Yeshua, instead of claiming damage from us, he's paying for the damages we've done in the world. He's paying for our sins. It's an incredible picture of his grace. Now we go into chapter 22, in verse 28. It says, You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. And the word for curse is the word kalal. And there's an interesting Hebrew insight, rabbinic insight, I want to bring from this. There are three words in Hebrew that sound much alike. The word halal, word halal, and the word kalal. And I have them here. Hallel means to praise. That's where we get the word hallelujah. Uh, hallel to Yah, to God. But if you harden that first letter a little bit, it becomes Hallel. Hallel means to profane. And there are times I've heard people Hallel God, but they did it from a life that was not devoted to Him, from a life that isn't really loving him or loving their neighbor and their praises come out instead of uh, as hallel as hallel it's profane it's empty praise yeshua talked about some of the hypocritical leaders of his day he says these people draw close to me with their lips but their hearts are far from me and those kinds of people are still alive today and their praises, their hallel, can actually come out as hallel. But if you harden that even more to a hard K sound, kalel, it means to curse. Praises and curses can sound much the same to the ear. But we need to listen closely and discern carefully. Because some people who make a show of praising God, maybe it's not hallel, it's actually hallel, it's profane. And the worst scenario is it's actually kalel. It's a curse. So we need to be very discerning with the people around us and with the, the events in this dark culture in which we live. Well, let's finish with uh, chapter 24. And it says, and this is an amazing scene. I, I love this scene. I wish we had time just to go over it. But the purpose of uh, Parsha seasoning is to look at some Hebrew details that you might miss. But what we find in this chapter is that after God has spoken from Mount Sinai, the words have been written in a book. Moses has made a covenant with the people, sprinkled them with the blood in the water. And they've all agreed what God has said we will hear and do. Then God invites Moses and Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, and 70 of the elders to come up to the top of the mountain. And they have a covenant meal with God. And it says there, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And that phrase, the God of Israel, is Elohe Yisrael. 
Elohe Yisrael, the very first time that phrase is used is here in this passage. When they've made a covenant with God, he's made a covenant with them. It's a marriage covenant, actually, of God with his people. And then they come to the covenant meal. And then there, for the first time, he is called the God of Israel. You want God to be your God? Then enter into covenant with him. Be partakers of his covenant that he offers you. And, um, you know, when this covenant was sealed on Mount Sinai, Moses sprinkled the blood on the people, said, Behold the blood of the covenant. But at the last Passover Seder, Yeshua talks about the new covenant in his blood, the new covenant to keep the Torah. And he instead offers them a cup and says, Drink all of it, because this is my blood of the new covenant. Whereas the first covenant, the first agreement to keep the Torah, the blood was external. This time, Yeshua says, drink this cup, this wine, which represents my blood. And this time it's internal. Because what is the new covenant after all? The new covenant, according to Jeremiah 31, is I will put my Torah on their hearts. I will write it in their inward parts. And so it's not a new Torah. It's a new agreement to keep the Torah. And this time it's an agreement we keep because we want to keep it. Not because we have to. We want to. So um, it's an amazing scene we see here in Exodus 24. And if we truly want to begin to see God, let's keep his covenant. So until next time, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. That's all I have to say.